Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. CeraVe facial moisturizers with SPF protect skin against damaging UV rays and continuously deliver three essential ceramides to help restore skin's protective barrier so it can lock in moisture. Non-greasy, fragrance-free, and won't clog pores? With CeraVe, skin feels hydrated and looks healthy all day. CeraVe facial moisturizers with SPF from the number one dermatologist recommended facial moisturizer brand. Welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast. I'm Tracy Ray, BBC Good Foods Health Editor. In this episode, I'm speaking with Emma White from NutriCheck about weight loss trends for 2024. On today's episode, we're talking all things 2024 health trends and how they may support or hinder your weight loss goals. From biohacking to weight loss injections, we're covering it all. Joining me is Emma White, Senior Nutritionist at NutriCheck, the top-rated food diary app and website. Emma has worked as a nutritionist for eight years with a special focus on weight loss, most specifically what it actually takes on a practical level to achieve and maintain weight loss long-term. She's guided and advised thousands of people over the years towards successful weight loss in a way that works for them. Before we start the episode, for anyone new listening, this episode will cover weight loss trends for 2024. If you would like to hear our foundational advice, tips and tricks for sustainable weight loss, please listen to our earlier episodes where we go into this in more detail. Right, let's start the podcast. Hi, Emma. Lovely to have you back with us. Thank you for joining today. Hi, Tracy. Thanks so much for having me back. So, Emma. I think it's fair to say that weight loss information is a bit of a minefield with plenty of contradictory advice out there. And coming into 2024, we're seeing even more interesting trends in weight loss. So I really wanted to dedicate today's episode to dissecting those top trends and sharing our thoughts, opinions and tips to help anyone listening work out if they could be useful for them and supportive on their weight loss journey. So I'm going to start with a doozy because I get quite, I get asked about this all the time. Weight loss injections, yay or nay? Oof, yeah, that, that is a doozy, isn't it? So yeah, we, we see, I mean, weight loss injections and medications have, have been around for years and years and years, haven't they? Um, and every now and then a new one might sort of pop up um, that's sort of new to the market. There have been um, some weight loss injections particularly that have come up in the news recently. You may have heard of Wagovi or it's known as Ozempic as well. And there was some news about that potentially being this new weight loss injection that could be beneficial to some people. There is some evidence that for certain groups of people, so if you have a BMI of over 30, for example, and you potentially struggle with appetite control, that's where that particular injection could come in useful um, for certain groups. 
because it helps with controlling appetite essentially and it, the belief is that the sort of positive side effects of the weight loss and the health benefits there outweigh any negative side effects that you may get from the drug itself. But generally for people with a BMI lower than 30, it isn't recommended because it isn't really believed that that, that benefit outweighs the potential side effects, which can be sort of gastrointestinal discomfort, bloating, and potentially some more severe ones in some cases. For me, the most important thing is that you should only ever take medication like that under the guidance of your doctor. So if it's GP recommended and they're going to be monitoring you um, and um, supporting you while taking it, then take your doctor's advice and, and, and follow what they recommend. But absolutely steer clear of ordering things off the internet when you're not sure of any sort of safety issues with them um, and things like that that may not have been rigorously tested and to try to avoid taking anything without your doctor's sort of guidance on that. So it's one of those, that in, in a nutshell, there can be a place for certain weight loss injections for some groups of people. Um, I'd say it's, it's not really the answer for the majority. But as I say, there may be some people who would benefit under their doctor's guidance. Something that you did mention, and it's something I've heard a lot about the, the weight loss injections, which I think is quite intriguing, is that the evidence is showing that they can be quite beneficial in helping with those hunger signals and the hunger cues, which is something that I think a lot of people that struggle with their weight can really struggle with that, you know, knowing when they're they're full and uh, when they're hungry and when they're not hungry and things like that. So I think that's a really intriguing part of, of the injections. It's important to say that uh, there still isn't many longitudinal studies done because these are quite a new thing. I'm always a little bit suspect when there isn't any longitudinal evidence. So I think that's a reason to be cautious. And I do wonder, it'd be interesting to get your perspective on this, but I think the idea of something that could help us reestablish, you know, our nat our body's natural ability to have hunger cues is incredible. But I do wonder what that would look like uh, without the education alongside it. So, you know, if we're not teaching ourselves about, you know, how food, different foods work in the body and about, you know, portion sizing and, you know, what's an appropriate amount um, to eat for a certain person and for your exercise level and your, your weight and your height and all of those different factors that go into it. I do worry that that could backfire. But again, we don't have long-term evidence. So who knows? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's a really interesting point though, because actually with a lot of these sort of injections or medications, they're only effective while you're using them. And so like you say, they're not actually having any long-term impact on those hunger cues and appetite control. And yeah, it, they, they, the best thing would be using them alongside education into controlling appetite or learning about your own sort of hunger cues and things like that. So yeah, it is, it's, it might be that it would be considered a last resort for somebody because they need that support and they're really, um, they are struggling to do it in any other way. So it's, it's there as a consideration, but I think absolutely we always believe that actually learning about your own behaviors around food and relationships with food 
hunger cues and um, healthy food management is the best sort of long-term solution. Another thing that's been spoken a lot about in the weight loss world is the idea of therapy for supporting weight loss as opposed to, you know, traditional methods like dieting or calorie restriction and things like that. And I was just curious about your thoughts on that. Yeah, that it's another really interesting area. I think it's really important to note that I'm I don't have a background in psychology, so I don't have um first-hand experience in things like therapies that might help with the sort of behavioral relationship with food. What I do know though from years of working with people who are um losing weight or trying to lose weight is that there is such a strong emotional relationship to food for a lot of people. It's an, it's a massive part of um, why a lot of people might struggle to control their appetite or to not turn to certain foods when they're um, feeling emotional, for example. And I think it's absolutely a big part of the puzzle in terms of figuring out your own relationship with food, things that make you potentially overeat or choose certain foods over others. So. I think it's something that could absolutely be used in conjunction with traditional methods. So you want the sort of practical side of learning to manage potentially your calorie intake um, and portion control and things like that to help you actually lose the weight um, alongside potentially, yes, having some sort of therapy or at least looking into um, your own relationships around food, things that trigger you sometimes. We talk about like emotional food triggers and things because that could be a really good long-term solution um, in changing certain behaviours around eating. So another thing that is spoken a lot about is this idea of personalised nutrition. And I think it's a really interesting topic when it comes to our overall health and longevity and focusing on all sorts of, of factors. But I'd love to get your take on the idea of personalised nutrition as an approach to weight loss. Do you have any opinions? Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly a bit of a buzzword, isn't it, at the moment, this sort of personalised nutrition. I think what I find really interesting about it is that it's actually a really broad spectrum. Personalised nutrition could mean simply the dietary approach that you choose because it fits best with your lifestyle. That sort of personalising an approach for yourself, um, going right down to the nitty gritty of how your body responds to individual foods, for example. So, um, and like hormonal responses and things like that. Um, so the, there is quite a spectrum. And I think absolutely we should all consider our own personal needs around food. So definitely picking things, um, approaches that are going to fit best with your lifestyle. So rather than just doing what you think you should do something that's actually going to work for you and your sort of routine and things like that. But then going down more to the nitty gritty, it's, we should all try to learn a bit more about our own sort of responses to certain foods. And I think sort of a lot of us can do that just from how we feel or, um, you know, some of us know that our guts might not react very well to certain foods. So it's um, it's important to sort of manage those. Um, I have a really strange relationship with apples, um, <laughs> which is weird, but I... I can't eat an apple. Um, if I exercise in the afternoon, if I eat an apple in the hour before I exercise, 
it um, sends my blood sugars crazy so that they drop too rapidly when I start exercising. And I've noticed this over the years. And so now I just know don't eat an apple before I exercise, which is just very strange. I'm fine with apples any other time of day, but if I um, tie it in with exercise. So that's an example of how I've learned how my body responds to a certain food in a certain situation um, and altering that. Um, And certainly from a weight loss point of view, I think um, it's important to find out how we react to certain foods, um, ones that are going to be better for our gut health maybe because that's really linked into healthy weight loss. Um, But I don't think it's necessary that all of us have to go and have like really extensive blood tests to find out exactly all the reactions that we have to every single food because that could be really overwhelming for a lot of people. And actually, if you can just try and focus in on the the basics and getting those right and then trying to find some of your own personal triggers and things like that, um, it's just going to be the best for sort of long-term balance and success. As you're saying, absolutely. If you if you're noticing that you're having certain issues with your gut when you're eating particular foods, or maybe you struggle with your hormones, um, maybe you have PMS, or you're going through menopause and you're really struggling to lose weight at the same time, then it's probably something to look at because we do know that um, you know issues in other parts of the body can affect your ability to lose weight. But as you say, I don't think it should be used as a barrier to weight loss because if you follow you know certain general advice like eating more fruits and vegetables and uh, portion control and all the, the those good things that we talk about, that's still a, a good step and route towards weight loss. Um, and if you want to go further, then personalized nutrition is definitely uh, something to go into. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like you say, that you may be someone who's um, got to a point in your weight loss journey where you've actually hit a bit of a wall potentially and there might not be any obvious explanation and that might be a time where you might want to go to the doctor to sort of investigate whether anything else is going on hormonally or with your metabolism and dig a little bit deeper into sort of your personal nutrition needs. So yeah, there's there's, there's a time and a place for it but I think a lot of us can just sort of focus, focus on the basics for now um, and see how we go. <laughs> Amazing. So I'm going to dive into some quickfire questions. Uh, So there's certain things that are going around the internet that we're hearing are the thing to lose weight. So I'd like to get your take on it. So caffeine is a good way to suppress appetite. Yes or no? Caffeine can suppress appetite, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend using that as a regular tool in terms of a healthy approach. Fair. You might uh, lose out on a few nutrients there. Choose balance over biohacking for weight loss. Uh, yes, I think that goes back to similar what we were just talking about is trying to just strike, get the balance right, get the basics right. And we don't necessarily need to obsess over every tiny, tiny number. Um, that might not be right for everyone. I should take supplements when losing weight. Oh, that's it's not a straightforward answer. Um, if you're in a severe calorie restriction, you may need to consider a multivitamin if you're not getting a good balance of nutrients. But if you are eating a really diverse range of foods, there shouldn't be a reason for most of us to take a, any supplements as such. And holistic fitness is the new way to lose weight in 2024. 
I'm not sure 100% on its sort of relationship with weight loss as such, but I think holistic fitness is definitely just a better sort of mental health approach that a lot of people are adapting, which can spill over into things like more successful weight loss. Absolutely. Anything that's supporting kind of stress management, but you still have to move your body, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So... Now I'd like to move on to a few confessions, because I think as a nutritionist, it's always really interesting from the outside kind of thinking, okay, well, you're talking about all those things, but how much do you actually follow? So (laughs) I would love to hear out of all of the advice that you share with us, what is one thing that you do personally to maintain a healthy body every day? Okay, so... I think, honestly, I mean, I talk a lot about balance. (laughs) You may have heard that's come up a lot. And I think for me, that is generally my sort of main rule is that I don't really do extremes in any way. Um, So that means nothing is off limits for me in my diet. I absolutely enjoy all sorts of foods. I can have a takeaway at the weekend. I can have um, some sugar and chocolate. But it's all about balancing portion control and not doing things to excess. So where I might have a takeaway, I would only ever have sort of one a week or one every couple of weeks, not three a week. Um, And I think that is the main thing for me is just that keeps me happy and healthy because I don't feel restricted, but I um, just try not to do anything to excess because that's when you can start sort of like coming into problems. That's a good, that's a good tip. <laughs> I guess I should share one as well because I'm always harping on about health too, right? Yes, please. <laughs> um, so if anyone's interested, I'm a big fan of uh, fasting. Um, I'm going to say intermittent fasting just because I think that will more accurately describe what I'm talking about. But I used to be such a breakfast person. But since moving my breakfast a little bit later in the day and moving my dinner a little earlier in the day, I just feel like I have so much more energy and I just feel better all around. And we do have an episode on fasting for anyone that would like to have more details about that as well. Oh, that's great. I think what this has actually shown though as well is it is finding what works for you, isn't it? And it's like you you can you can tell that you benefit from that shift in your eating routine. Um so it's absolutely something that you should carry on doing. Yeah, because I think there's obviously what you eat is very important, but how you eat is also another factor that we we don't discuss as much. And it's definitely been something that's opened my eyes. So if you had to pick one, what is your guilty food pleasure? Guilty food pleasure? I mean, I guess we shouldn't say guilty because we don't like to assign ideas to food. But when you are, uh, you know, indulging that sweet tooth that I know that you have, (laughs) what do you go for? Probably sweets is like the thing that I'm most, I think it comes from my childhood. I think I probably ate too much sugar in my childhood. Um, Yeah, so I would say sweets, just wanting just just a few on a Saturday night while watching a movie. Um, Again, I just really am conscious of portion control. So I you wouldn't ever find me opening a big bag and eating the entire share bag um, because I just know that it's important to have a cutoff. Um, But yeah, I I definitely do like to indulge in um, sweets every now and then. 
You heard it here first. Nutritionists <laughs> eat sugar too. Um, but no, but that's that's a really good point, I think, in that, you know, it's not about kind of uh, demonizing every sort of food. It's about finding a balanced way of approaching food. And as you said, enjoying your sugar, um, enjoying some sweets, but that you're not buying a jumbo bag and absolutely polishing it off in front of a TV show, because um, that is how we go down a spiral and it starts affecting our mood and our energy and everything like that. Yeah, exactly. I would say I do sometimes if I've had like a little bit too much sugar, like just before bed on a Saturday night, I do notice that I wake up with almost like a carb hangover. So you do you do get the impact that it has on your body and you do suffer from it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I think it's you are very aware that it's not necessarily doing your body a great service. But um, like you say, it's, it's about getting the balance right. And, and sometimes we just want to enjoy the, t- the taste of something um, because it's yeah a situation like watching a movie and it's all about the experience it's just striking that right right balance overall yeah and I was just thinking you know what you were saying there in terms of that if you do go overboard that you can notice it in the morning and that's a really important point because I think because you eat very healthy overall and you're not kind of having sugar at every meal you can then very clearly see that when you do have sugar this is the effect on your body um and i often wonder sometimes if you know if the danger is uh eating too much sugar or if the real danger is that we actually don't know the true effect on our body so by not having it all the time you can see that uh the consequences um and so it kind of lets you put it on a shelf in terms of okay it's something i can have sometimes but if i have it all the time then i might feel this way which i don't like feeling yeah absolutely i think that's true of things like alcohol for example so i think um people might be familiar with if they drink quite often they get used to it so they don't suffer the side effects of it that much either whereas if you don't have it for a while and have a little bit you can just have a tiny bit and notice but so it's quite worrying in a way how our body adapts to to an excess of something um so that we get less of a side effect and i think it's important sometimes to have those periods of not having too much of something and seeing how our body actually responds to it to know it's not always doing our body a lot of good. Um, And it is really important to keep that balance right for sort of long-term health. Amazing. So I'm going to go on to the final question. Um, And just a small little one, you know, I never like to hit you with these big expansive questions. Um, But, you know, we are, we're in the new year. And so for anyone that is looking to start or continue a weight loss journey this year, what would be your top piece of advice? I think my message always is about keeping it simple. Um, so I, I really, really believe in starting out on a waist, weight loss journey in the simplest way. So really, really try and avoid setting yourself unachievable goals, essentially. So it's really tempting in the new year sometimes to be like, I'm going to go to the gym five times and I'm going to cut out all chocolate from my diet and I'm not going to drink for the whole of January and things like that. Um, And that might seem like a great goal to have at the time, but I think we often find that people can't sustain that. And it's also just not a good balanced long-term approach to cut out everything that you actually enjoy. Um, So 
I'm always like, aim, if you haven't been going to the gym at all, aim for one session a week consistently. And then um, allow yourself to have a drink at the weekends or a bit of chocolate um, when you want it. Um, Just try and strike that right balance. And then what you're doing is actually forming long-term healthy habits that you can build on um, rather than sort of hitting a hurdle a month down the line, falling off the wagon with in spectacular fashion and then just giving up entirely. <laughs> That's such good advice. I remember reading somewhere about, I can't remember what the the movement or idea was, but it was the concept of choosing less resolutions or goals um, and actually then coming out at the end, achieving even one of them, as opposed to having this big long list and achieving none. So even if you did go to the gym once a week for a whole year, you'd probably be feeling far better than if you went to the gym every day in January and then never went again. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Emma. As always, I love chatting to you and I feel like we could chat forever. But thank you for going through these 2024 weight loss trends with me. I hope anyone that's listening has uh, gotten some good little nuggets of information. Please do write into us if you have any more questions. For those who would like to find out more about Emma and NutriCheck, you can find all the links on our podcast page at bbcgoodfood.com forward slash podcast. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, Tracy. In the next episode, I'll be back with Emma White from NutriCheck to discuss how your diet can have an effect on aging. Don't forget about our bonus recipe episode out on Thursday, where you can cook along with us to make classic pasta a fagioli. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Food Podcast. For more health tips, guides and recipes, please visit bbcgoodfood.com. Bye.